We're back here on Mining Stock Daily. Trevor Hall joining you with our good friend, Rob Sin, the CEO technician, coming from us from Las Vegas and the one-to-one mining conference uh, taking place there in Sin City. Rob, welcome back to the show, big guy. How are you? Hey, Trevor. It's it's great to be back here uh, chatting from Las Vegas, the one-to-one mining investment conference uh, 2022. The last time I was in Vegas was about 18 months ago, and I think we all know that COVID was a big deal back then, and uh, now it seems like COVID is over. So it's it's great to see everybody. Uh, it's bull market spirits for sure. Mm. A lot of a lot of faces I haven't seen in a while are here, um, and a lot of a lot of marketing is lined up over the next several months. They're they're even going to have the uh, Yukon tour in June. Um, yeah. So I'm, re- I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Uh, are you, you're, you're heading on that tour once again. I think I'm invited. I hope I'm invited. <laughs> and if if Canada will allow me in without my booster, um, I'll be there. All right. Very good. Uh, uh, I'll be making a Yukon trip, I think, but it's going to be later in the summer. Uh, should be a good time and very informative. But so, so let's kind of break into the sentiment here. Obviously, just a couple of days in Vegas, uh, big market, you know, a lot of big marketing push here. Let me ask you, you mentioned bull sentiment, but, you know, looking at charts for a lot of these companies, I don't know if that sentiment is actually reflective in the price action. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to you have to balance it with everything that's happening, including a lot of financings. We've seen a lot of financings take place in the last several months, and that's always going to sort of weigh on share price advances, right? Um, and you know, the macro backdrop overall for the the broader stock market and even small caps. If you look at the you know Russell two thousand hasn't been great the last couple of months. So the, the juniors do suffer a bit from that. Um, but as far as precious metals, copper, base metals, um, I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty damn bullish um, out there. And there was an interesting presentation at the conference uh, yesterday uh, the speaker was talking about the cycles, mining market cycles, and I wish I could show the graphic you know, that she showed, but I'm sure we can find it somewhere. But basically, she broke it down into like six or seven parts of a bull market, a, 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 mar- a cycle from, from bear market bottom to bull market frothy peak. And it, it seems like if we, if we think about everything that's happening, we're probably in like the sixth inning, maybe the seventh. But we're not in the, you know, we're not at the end of it yet. It's not at that crazy uh, part of the cycle where, you know, everybody just wants in and crazy financings, like stupid deals are happening, uh, crazy, you know, acquisitions are happening. I mean, we had the, you know, Great Bear takeout, but that was literally the number one gold asset in the world. Uh that, that, that got taken out at, yeah, a very good valuation, but it was one of a kind, you know? So, so we're not quite yet seeing this, the, the, the so-called stupid deals that, that mark a sector peak. Hmm. That's actually surprising because you said sixth, maybe seventh inning. Uh, you know, it kind of took me back a little bit because I think that 
it feels like it'd be, that's a little bit later stage than I would consider it. I mean, I remember a year ago we were still in the second inning. <laughs> well, it, so what one point that she made, which I don't really have my finger on the pulse of, you know, as well as she does, I would have probably thought third or fourth inning, but private equity firms like, uh, you know, Waterton are selling assets. So they're not in the buying and investing stage so much anymore. They are in the trading assets for cash stage. And that tends to mark more of the, you know, middle of the cycle. Okay. Oh, interesting insight there. Um, So let me ask you, you know, just where we're at with the trading cycle, we're seeing nice moves in the major producers, specifically gold producers. Uh, royalty companies seem to be doing fairly well. A lot of the really good, like kind of mid-tier developers are also starting to get nice bids in, but we're not seeing that same money coming into the riskier side of the curve with the juniors. Uh, what's the outlook here to maybe get some more money into those junior exploration stocks? Yeah, that's a good point, Trevor. I mean, this feels like a very classic bull market move here. We're seeing the seniors like a you know Newmont or a Kinross uh, breaking out or on the verge of breaking out to, to new highs for 2022 and in some cases multi-year highs. And that's what happens. The seniors lead, the advance, and then the juniors catch up later on. And I think that if we think about the timing of how the sector usually works, companies raise money in the spring, like right now, and then they go out and explore and they, you know, drill in the summer. And then we get news flow from, you know, September through January, February, right? And usually the market's ahead of that, you know, news flow where we see the sector peak at some point during the summer, like in August. So if you think about it, this is actually a pretty decent time uh, to, to maybe get in to some juniors that are going to have big exploration programs over the coming months um, and usually get a nice trade, like especially with the, the, the northern explorers like, you know, in the you know, Yukon or the Golden Triangle. Um, those companies usually have to wait till June to start to get to camp. And then they work for three months, uh, and usually they they peak the the shares peak during the work program. So they don't the market doesn't wait for the news to come, you know, unless it's absolutely stunning, right? Right, right. Uh, moving on to the the metal itself, specifically gold. Uh, you mentioned something very pertinent before we started recording. You said it felt like Russia is putting in a floor here on the gold price. Uh, walk us back and kind of discuss the events of what's going on with Russia and gold and its energy market and really why you come to believe maybe a f- new floor is in here. Well, yeah, first of all, you know, obviously I like charts, uh, you know, as you know. And if I just look at the gold charts on various time frames, it doesn't take a genius to see that 1900 is holding up pretty well as a key support level. And we actually retested it on Tuesday morning. Uh, price got down as low as around 1890, but bounced very strongly from that low. 
and we're trading uh, almost 1950 here as we speak um, so basically the Russian Central Bank has said that they're willing to buy gold at a price of 5,000 uh, you know rubles per gram so if you do the math on that uh, based upon the dollar uh, you know ruble exchange rate which is in the low 80s right now basically they're putting in a bid in the gold market right around 1900 now that obviously changes based upon the exchange rate but the ruble was all the way at 160 a few weeks ago and it's come all the way back down to the low 80s that's an absolutely monumental move in forex markets um that, and that was an absolutely classic example of buying the blood like literally buying the blood in early march uh by going long the rub against the dollar um i'm not smart enough to have made that trade but i'm sure some people did and it was a hell of a trade um so also so uh you know in tandem to the fact that they're putting in a standing bid to the you know russian people who want to exchange their gold for currency at a price of around 1900 that you know fluctuates based upon the exchange rate uh they're also saying we're not going to sell our gas or oil for euros or dollars uh and we want rubles or gold but transferring gold to russia for natural gas is impractical in the short term it's very hard to consummate that sort of a transaction you know as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but what they're saying is, give us rubles, right? So they're supporting their currency with the you know resources that they sell to the world. And this is a very smart move by Putin and his, his central bankers because at ruble 160 to the dollar, their economy is completely you know wrecked. At around 75 or low 80s, it's it's a much more normal you know environment where the you know ruble still has some buying power so the resource wealth of russia is saving their economy and their currency at this critical moment hey the ruble's made an astounding comp comeback mm -hmm. it's been absolutely incredible to see uh in fact i go back to uh, Grant Williams' interview with Luke Groman uh, just a few weeks ago, where Luke was talking about this exact scenario. Uh, it, it's it's really fascinating to see how Luke's kind of saw this coming, and he had been writing about it. So, I don't know if yeah, you've been able to listen to that. I heard that interview. I heard that interview, and it was very bullish gold. It was very bullish gold. But I think that those who heard that interview, they have to take it into a long-term context that that doesn't mean you buy gold futures on margin at 1980 an ounce, you know, just because he laid out the, you know, thesis for why gold has to go higher. Uh, the gold market will be volatile, just like the currency market is. And we saw that volatility. I think that podcast came out when gold was right around 1900 and it dropped almost $100 an ounce, you know, in the following two weeks. Now it's almost back to, to where it was because the fundamental uh, foundation for gold to continue plotting higher is very, very much in place. And in fact, one of the things that was missing from the gold market since I followed it, you know, as a teenager in the 90s, was really its its usage as 
a monetary metal, as a currency, as, as a transaction vehicle. And now Russia, this massive country with all these you know, resources and trading partners is saying, for us, gold is real, real currency. We will accept gold. And that is an absolute unprecedented um, step forward for gold. Now, now gold is up there with the euro and the dollar uh, and other uh, you know, currencies. And then, of course, it has its central bank role as this store of value that sits in central bank vaults and, and holds as the foundation for the value of the country's currency. Uh, Rob, I, I do want to shift gears here and see if there's been any discussion uh, regarding a uh, late afternoon news item out of the U.S. and Washington that President Joe Biden is invoking uh, defense law could soon as this week to encourage domestic production of minerals, specifically for electric vehicles. So we're talking about lithium, nickel, cobalt, all those battery metals we've, we've uh, chatted about over the last few years here. Um, this seems fairly bullish, yet there continues to be some pushback because obviously it's mining, uh, and and you know there's a lot of not in my backyard type of mentality. Uh, you know, give me your thoughts here. I know it's very early stages since this news came out, but how does it? You know, what does this? Does this put a? Does this put a backstop on battery metal exploration in the United States here? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, you know, Trevor. I think it does. I mean, talking to real, you know, executives and insiders in the mining industry and, and looking at a metal like copper, and I'm just racking my brain like, hold on, how can we make the bear case? I'm always trying to make the bear case for something that I'm long on. Like, what could happen, right? And short of a complete economic global meltdown, which obviously is always uh, you know risk factor for any investment thesis. Like short of that, it's really hard to make a bearish case for copper. Maybe copper can could stagnate and sort of sit around here four fifty to five dollars for the next couple of years until the you know supply shortfalls really kick in in, in three to four years. But you know bigger picture over the next decade, it's it's really hard to see how copper does not go higher. And so when you talk about battery metals, um, you know, nickel, copper, cobalt, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we need these metals. If we're gonna generate millions of EVs a year for the foreseeable future, the next two decades or whatever, uh, that, that metal just doesn't magically appear. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And this, you know, Russia crisis, the sanctions and all, have really put front and center that we cannot always trust our trading partners to give us these, uh, you know, these metals, you know, that we need, or or oil or gas or what have you, lumber. Uh, there, there, there's a risk there if we're sourcing it from so-called non-friendly countries, right? And uh, that just says, okay, we have to generate it on our own soil. We have to support our, you know, metals and mining industry, very simply put. And I think that the CEO of Tesla, the founder of Tesla, you know, well-known guy has, has spoken about this so many times. Um, and I think that while the, you know, liberals are obviously not necessarily pro-mining, uh, they're, they're not dumb 
And when one of their heroes, the CEO of Tesla, says, we need more, you know, nickel, cobalt, copper, uh, lithium, you know, we need all these metals, um, and we need to do the investments and uh, make it a focus of the administration and, and those, you know, entities like the, you know, the EPA and such to move projects forward so we can source it you know here in the u.s and and same thing with the oil and gas industry it has not been well supported by washington for a long time and now here we are with an energy crisis shocking <laughs> funny how that works out uh rob let me it, my last question for you maybe it's not even a question maybe an idea but i want to go back and talk about your idea of finding a bearish case for a metal like copper we just had the yield curve invert. That usually is followed by some sort of recession. Timing is variable. But a recession, I would assume, is pretty bearish for a metal like copper. Wouldn't that be a little bit of a concern right now in this trade? Yeah, that's a good point. I do think there's a good chance that the economy moves into a downturn next year or, or later part of 2023, I think there's a very good chance of that, especially if that the Fed is hell bent is, is hell bent on on bringing the Fed funds rate up to three percent. Um, but you have to understand the copper bull market. Yeah, the one side is the re the, is you know the electrification of of the grid across the globe, and the electric vehicle bull market. Those are the two key underpinnings, and obviously housing would be like number three. For, for where copper is used or is going to be used over the next couple decades. So that third leg of the bull case would obviously be hurt in an economic downturn where, where housing starts, drop, et cetera, et cetera. But then on the flip side, the supply side of the equation, which is very key to understand, for especially for copper, it's just there is not enough supply. So if you really look at the numbers, um, and, and, you know, the mining sector is a slow build sector. Five years is fast in mining, as we both know. And, and 10 years is more realistic, and 15 years also happens. So, you know, from finding a new project and saying, hey, we've got enough copper here to build a mine, you know, you're looking at 10 to 15 years to actually pull that copper, to start to pull the copper from the ground. And uh, it's just, you just look at the projects globally and there's just not enough. There's absolutely not enough copper coming online here in the next 10 years. Uh, and so the only way that the market can balance if the price goes so high that suddenly big parts of the market say, okay, fine, I don't want it anymore, you know? And, and who knows how high that price is? I think it's definitely in, in double digits. Uh, Rob, let's leave it at that, and we'll see how the rest of this week plays out, uh, including today we'll end the quarter uh, in the month, of, the month of March. So we'll see how gold and the metals end up here, but it's looking pretty positive as the day continues to wane. Uh, until next time, my friend, thanks so much for your time, and uh, safe travels to you down there in, in Nevada. Thank you, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.